What is going on, guys? Welcome into another episode of the Blake Pace Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Pace. Hope you all are having a great Monday, great start to the week. Feeling good. You know, we, we just ended the NBA Finals. The NBA season is officially beyond us, but, you know, possibly what might be even a, a more exciting part of the year is that we're hitting the NBA offseason. And, you know, if anything showed us from last year's NBA offseason, we're in for a hell of a ride over the next few months, of course, starting with the NFL Draft. Um, we'll keep you covered on the draft, free agency, of course, in the next coming weeks. Um, this Friday, this upcoming Friday, the uh, World Cup kicks off, and we have our very first guest of the Blake Pace podcast on, uh, Noah Ziegler, uh, a good friend of mine from JMU, uh, another writer on the Breeze staff. Um, great soccer mind. We've uh, we discussed coming, having him come on, and you know we've got a great you know 20, 25 minute interview talking about the World Cup. There's a lot of great things to look forward to. So make sure to check out that interview later in this episode. It'll be there. Um, and yeah, you know it's 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 an interesting time for you know even if you're not a soccer fan and you just support you the US during, you know, World Cup time and whatnot, you know, it, it's it's a down year for you. Of course, I'm not as interested in the World Cup as I would usually be, um, you know, even coming off of, you know, the USA's not historic run. They had a they had an interesting run in the last World Cup that was enjoyable to watch and you would hope that there would there would be something to build off of moving into that, but um Noah gives us a few great things um, on what to look for and, you know, maybe some storylines, some teams to get behind for this World Cup to enjoy over the next, you know, month, uh, maybe a little over a month um, in, you know, professional soccer. So make sure to listen to that interview. Um, The first guest of the Blake Pace podcast, love to have him on. Um, You know, we're going to preview our next team, which I believe is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, if our, our last two episodes, we did the, uh, Atlanta Falcons and the Arizona Cardinals, just diving into, you know, the season outlook for them as we approach this upcoming NFL season. Uh, today we'll do the Ravens, our first team from the AFC. So make sure to listen for that. Um, and of course, you know, we'll probably start things off with some finals talks, but we just wanted to kind of preview what we were going to have for you today before we dove into things. But of course, before we get there, we have hit a momentous uh, point in the Blake Pace podcast. We have reached 10 shows. This is the 10th episode of the Blake Pace podcast. And with that, we've got some number 10s to talk about. And let's start off at wide receiver, three-time Pro Bowler, one of the most enjoyable guys I've gotten to watch um, at the wide receiver position um, since I was a kid, Deshaun Jackson, now currently with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But of course, I remember him most from my days, for his, from his days uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, if you want to look in 2010, at the age of 24, when he hauled in 22.5 yards of reception, that was among league leaders that season. Um, you know, you can go to his you know, 2009 season at the age of 23 when he had uh, over 1,150 yards or 2013 in Philadelphia where he had uh, 82 receptions, his career high in 1,300 receiving yards, nine touchdowns. Um, What's most enjoyable to me about Deshaun Jackson was that game and that comeback against the New York Giants where Philadelphia was down all game and I believe at the time it was Mike Vick leading the comeback and then uh, Giants punter, I think it was Steve Weatherford, if that's his name, Gi- Giants punter um, could have, you know, punted the ball high in the air and, you know, eventually had it fall out of bounds and the game would have been over. Kept it in bounds and Deshaun Jackson pulls off the improbable uh, comeback with that uh, punt return for a touchdown as time expired. Uh, there have been so many electric plays 
um, at the hands or on the feet uh, of Deshaun Jackson. So I definitely wanted to start out with some love to uh, my guy, Deshaun William Jackson. Other guys we're looking at, you know, another current receiver that is just tearing up the league and is probably one of the more underrated receivers in all of football. That's DeAndre Hopkins with the Houston Texans, you know, one-time All-Pro NFL wide receiver, two-time Pro Bowler. Um, Honestly, until, you know, the the first half of the past season for Houston, he really hasn't had a great quarterback throwing him the ball. Um, But still, you know, in 2014, he had 1,200 yards. 2015, he had 1,521 yards and 11 touchdowns. But, of course, you know, 2017 was an electric year for him. 1,378 yards, 14.4 yards of reception, 13 touchdowns, which is a career high. Um, You know, he's definitely a top five at the position in football. Um, And, of course, you know, you look at some of the other guys. Antonio Brown, he's got Big Ben throwing to him. Uh, Julio Jones has Matt Ryan. Even, you know, I'd say that, you know, Odell Beckham has had somewhat of a good quarterback play. Um, We'll, of course, talk about him in a few seconds just real quick. But, um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins really, until Deshaun Watson came around, was doing a lot with a little. And so I got to give love to him. He's definitely one of the more underrated stars in this league. Uh, Moving on to uh, the only quarterback I'm going to mention, two-time Super Bowl champion, Alicia Nelson Manning. And yes, that is the first time I've realized this man's name is Alicia. Thank God we call him Eli. Wow. Okay, four-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champ, as I mentioned. uh, The brother of my first love in professional sports, Peyton Manning. Um, Eli hasn't been pretty over the last few years. We've definitely seen a decline. You know, he's never been one of the best at the position, but he's definitely, you know, one of the better quarterbacks um, since that 2004 NFL draft. Of course, that also had uh, Phillip Rivers, um, Ben Roethlisberger. You know, it's a, a great draft class of quarterback play that we've seen over the last decade um, and a half. But, you know, a career record um, above 500. Of course, he's thrown 51,682 yards in his career. Uh, You know, (laughs) I'm looking at the numbers in which he, you know, kind of led the league in and nothing in the touchdown area, of course. But uh, 2013, a pretty bad year for Eli. 18 touchdowns to a league high 27 interceptions. Uh, There have been Let's see, one, two, three seasons with uh, 20 or more interceptions. Um, yikes. You know, the Eli, of course, has had great success in New York. Of course, his better years come with a good running game along with him and um, a, a great front seven on the defense. Um, but, you know, Eli's going to approach a season I don't think he's ever had before where he has one of the most talented running backs um, in all of football and then one of the top receivers in football as well and a good receiving core that is young, um, an improved offensive line. Eli has definitely dwindled over the past few seasons um, in his play, but I really like the situation he's in. You know, Pat Shermer, quarterback whisperer. You saw Case Keenum last year. Um, really, you know, Colt McCoy in, in Cleveland, I believe, Pat Shermer has gotten the best out of his uh, out of his quarterbacks, and hopefully can you know amp up the play that we get from Eli as we move forward. Um, but also having Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham Jr., and a somewhat already built defense, I, I expect good things from the Giants this upcoming year. Of course, we'll preview them in the coming months. Um, switching over for one guy in the NBA because you know uh, we were talking about underrated stars with. Um, with DeAndre Hopkins, DeMar DeRozan, uh, number 10, four-time All-Star, All-NBA uh, in the 2016-17 NBA season for the Toronto Raptors. 
Um, you know, he's definitely an all-star and, you know, I just feel like he gets a little underrated at times. Um, it, I had a huge debate on courtside take my NBA podcast with uh, Kevin Haswell, um, about, you know, the success of this backcourt in Toronto, but DeMar DeRozan is really, in my opinion, um, an underrated star. Of course, I have been critical of his three-point shooting. Of course, he's coming off a year where he shot 31% um, from beyond the arc, and by the looks of it, it was the second-best uh, mark of his career. So hopefully, you know, he can get that three-point shooting up. But I do think he's one of the better scorers in the game, uh, 23 points a game. Um, you know, unfortunately, things just didn't work their way in Toronto, and when you have LeBron James standing in your way, uh, it's tough to get things going. Um, so that'll wrap it up for number 10. It's a good list in here, and we're moving into these, uh, you know, 11 to you know, 18 range. So we'll have a lot of quarterbacks in here. Of course, a lot of great players coming up. Um, number 10, a momentous episode for the Blake Pace podcast. Uh, I like the guys that we've already talked about. So I know the last two episodes we started, um, we put our season preview for the NFL at the end, but I'm going to start things off, uh, talking about the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and this is an exciting team in my mind, you know, they've always had a consistent defense and they've got great playmakers on the defense, but this entire off season was a full switch, um, to the offense, you know, they brought in a great receiving core, bringing in Michael Crabtree, of course, um, after he was cut from Oakland, um, they, they drafted, you know, a couple tight ends, Hayden Hurst specifically, um, they finally have things going in the direction that I like, um, on offense, because that's been my biggest knock on the Ravens the past few years. They've done a great job at finding talent on the defense, you know, bringing in their former, their safeties, Tony Jefferson, Eric Weddle, great combination. Um, their pass rush has always been great. Um, but the offense, they really haven't given Joe Flacco much help. Um, you know, their running game has been shot at best. I like, um, where things are going, but then the receiving core also has not been the right guys for Joe Flacco. Um, they're guys who are breakaway players and 50, 50 guys at, at, if they can get a 50 yard bomb thrown their way. And that's just not the way Joe Flacco works. Um, I, you know, Flacco doesn't really have the best deep ball accuracy. So I want more receivers who can do more than just a, you know, a 50 yard sprint and hopefully get a 50, 50 ball in the air in the end zone. So, um, I like the moves that they've done. Um, and I do think that they end up with kind of a similar season that they're just coming off of. Um, of course, last year they went nine and seven on the year. Um, unfortunately missed the playoffs right at the end of things. Um, I just think that the division is getting tougher, um, in the AFC North. Of course, Pittsburgh is there. Um, Cincinnati, I, you know, talk about them later. I really do think that they're one of the worst teams in football, but Cleveland as well is a team that I believe is building, um, something nice. I like what they've done on offense defensively. They, they've have a nice pass rush working on the secondary. Um, you know, they're a team that I, you know, I see could lose a game to Cleveland, um, in the upcoming year. And it, it's, it's not as easy of a cakewalk as it is aside from Pittsburgh, of course, which has been one of the greater rivalries over the last decade. Um, but you know, for Baltimore, unfortunately, you know, nine and seven last year, I do have them falling just a little to eight and eight on the year. Um, placing second still in the AFC North, but unfortunately that is ninth in the conference, um, in the AFC in, in what I believe is a building AFC. Um, and I do believe that they, you know, miss the playoffs. Um, of course there's a lot of, there's an interesting, um, discussion to have with the Ravens and that's, you know, at the quarterback position, because, um, from what I hear and what I've been hearing from shows, I listen to reports, articles that I read, 
there's some legit buzz to Lamar Jackson. And, you know, of course, everyone wants to overhype what they hear in the offseason. Um, you know, everyone's going to say that they love the guys that they have, and he's been electric in camp. And, you know, what we've gotten from him out of OTAs is really surprising. I, I truly believe that the hype has to be real in Baltimore just because of the quarterback. I believe that Lamar Jackson is, um, you know, his breakaway speed, his ability in the run, but also his presence in the pocket. That was one of the things I really gave him a lot of credit for in college is that um, some of these other quarterbacks in the draft class were not comfortable in the pocket at all. But when I looked at Lamar Jackson, yes, he is by far the most talented guy to, um, you know, make tacklers miss in the running game and break away um, when the pocket, you know, breaks up. But he's also one of the more comfortable guys inside the pocket and I believe would have an, an easy transition into a pro-style offense, which is what he was in um, in college at Louisville. Um, so I believe there's some legit buzz in Baltimore. And I, I think it's getting to the point where if, if you're the Ravens, and, and in my opinion, they're in the works for making you know Joe Flacco kind of at the end of his time with Baltimore as starting quarterback. If I'm the Ravens, and I, I look at my team, and I've got a serious pass rush, um, I've got a nice a nice safety combination, I've got the weapons on offense, um, an improving run game, a good offensive line, and yet I start out the season maybe three and three, two and four. I might be pulling the plug on on Joe Flacco. I might be going to Lamar Jackson early in the year, and I know that's. You know, everyone's caught up on, you know, what Joe Flacco has done in his career. He's, you know, Super Bowl MVP, had that amazing postseason. But what we've seen from him the past few years is kind of like what we've seen from Eli Manning. He he can get the job done, but on a day-to-day basis, he's not the guy that you want under center. And, you know, maybe at some point you, you take a chance on the guy. If, if Lamar Jackson is still amazing guys in, in training camp and into the preseason and really build some serious buzz around him, um, Baltimore is going to grow anxious if they start off slow. And if they start off, you know, two and four, three and three, they're going to be calling to see Lamar Jackson on the field more often. And, you know, it may come to the point where Joe Flacco's career ends in Baltimore. I, I'm not sure where the direction they're going in. I believe if you draft a quarterback in the first round and you have a starting quarterback, the writing's on the wall for that, that starter, you know, his days are coming to end. You don't waste a first round pick on a quarterback if you think that, you know, you're going to keep your starter for five more years. Um, you know, you saw it when, you know, the the Packers drafted Rodgers. You know, you knew that Brett Favre's days were coming to an end there. You, of course, Peyton Manning was already gone from the Colts then, but when they drafted Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning's tenure, kind of over. Um, it, you, you kind of have to see the writing on the wall. And um, I do believe that they're trying to transition into this new phase with Lamar Jackson, and they've got a good team around them. So if things start to fall apart um, for the Ravens early on, I could see that switch being made. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting because I do still believe that they finish 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, If I'm putting money on it, I'm saying they stick with Joe Flacco through the year, give him one more year, um, and then make the switch next offseason, kind of like what the Chiefs did with Pat Mahomes. Maybe, you know, once the Ravens realize they're out of the postseason, they give, you know, the rest of the season to Lamar, give them one game, kind of like uh, the Chiefs did with Pat Mahomes in Week 17, although that was a different situation. Uh, the They were resting um, Alex Smith for the postseason. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think that 
they the division is tough enough. I don't think they're able to beat Pittsburgh. I like Pittsburgh's um, weapons on offense more. I like their quarterback play. Of course, they do have a big hole in the middle of the defense with Ryan Chazier um, not belonging on the team, but I do believe that Pittsburgh is still the clear favorites in that division. And I believe Baltimore still has a tough schedule on their hands. Of course, the division is tougher with, uh, you know, Cleveland improving Cincinnati. I believe that, you know, they can easily, you know, those are two wins right there over Cincinnati if necessary. Um but, you know, with the way I see things going out, unfortunately, 8-8, eight and eight, uh, second in the division, um, you know, one game lower than they had last season, but still missing the playoffs. Uh, guys to look at, my fantasy player for these guys, uh, it's got to be Michael Crabtree. Um, you know, I think that he'll solidify himself as the number one wide receiver from day one in Baltimore, um, and a guy Joe Flacco can count on. You know, he was a reliable target for... Uh, Derek Carr in Oakland, you know, they had Amari Cooper who had all the drop issues, but Michael Crabtree was definitely the more uh, reliant receiver. And I think Joe Flacco can really count on him as a guy who can get it done, um, you know, in the middle of the field. He can run a, a variety of routes. And I really think that he'll have a boost um, in value, you know, fantasy wise, um, just simply based off the fact that uh, in Oakland, a lot of the targets, um, you know, you went to Amari Cooper a lot more, whereas I think Michael Crabtree in Baltimore is the clear number one receiver. Um, and I realized that I just glanced over uh, MVP for the team. And it's funny because, you know, this position gets overlooked um, a lot. And, you know, for obvious reasons, my team MVP for the Ravens is kicker number nine, Justin Tucker out of Texas. Uh, you you know, a ripe, you know, six foot one, 183 pounds. Um, you know, looking at team MVP, you know, of course, at first I looked at the quarterback position. That seems to be where they are. Um, you know, Joe Flacco, I've, I have questions about him in the regular season. Um, and I don't believe that he's, you know, going to be the guy that gets it done for this team or is, you know, the most reliable guy on the roster. Um, running backs, I'm not going anywhere there. I look at the skill position players. Um, you know, I, I do have faith in Michael Crabtree and this offense to get things going, but of course I don't really think that, um, anyone stands out as a premier talent at the position. Um, of course you could go at the offensive line, Marshallanda, you know, one of the better guards in football. Um, you know, of course, Eric Weddle is a great safety, but is also, uh, getting up there in age, 33 years old. Um, at the end of the day, Justin Tucker is the most reliable guy on this team. And, of course, another guy, I uh, just want to mention Terrell Suggs. I forgot about him. He is 35 years old. Um, that's why I didn't. That's why I kept him out of this um, team MVP thing. I do believe he is still the anchor to that defense. But 35 years old, I think that Justin Tucker um, provides more value. He's, you know, arguably the best kicker in the game. I'm a little biased because Adam Vinatieri is still kicking at, you know, 45-plus um, and you know, of course, Justin Tucker has a better leg or has the best leg in football. Um, but of course, I'm, I'm biased towards Adam Vinatieri. Uh, so I apologize to Justin Tucker for that. But Tucker is, you know, probably the best kicker in the league. And, you know, a lot can be said about that, especially in, you know, terms of, you know, extra points tougher to come by than, you know, when you were at the, you know, seven yards out, um, you know, kicking those extra, um, those longer uh, points, you know, it makes it tougher to do that. Um, you know, having a reliable kicker means a lot. You saw it last year in a lot of overtime games. And even, you know, two years ago when that law was first implemented, kickers um, in overtime games and clutch situations couldn't get the job done. Justin Tucker isn't a guy like that. He gets the job done. He's, you know, my MVP for the team. And then looking at um, my pick for rookie uh, on the roster, 
I have to give that to uh, tight end Hayden Hurst. Um, their other first round pick this season. Uh, like I said, I believe that this offense is, you know, going upward and forward. Um, and Hayden Hurst is another example for that. I really have been critical over the tight end play that um, Baltimore has gotten out of the past years. You know, Benjamin Watson, a, a guy to name just uh, off the top of my head. Uh, Hayden Hurst is, you know, one of my favorite uh, tight ends in this draft class. Um, there are only a few guys that I really liked. Hayden Hurst really stood out this past season in college football, and I believe that um, he'll be a reliable target for whoever's under center, um, and I, I just like where things are going. Uh, for that offense, Hayden Hurst um, is my rookie of the year. So just going over real quick what I have for the Ravens, recapping, I have them finishing 8-8 eight and eight on the season, clean 500, second place in the AFC North, but ninth in the AFC, so they miss out on the play, uh, playoffs. Of course, we have yet to discuss a team that will actually make the playoffs. Um Team MVP, I went with uh, Justin Tucker, kicker, um, the most reliable kicker in football. Uh, I don't really trust anyone on this. Um, I don't think anyone else on this roster is as reliable as Justin Tucker. Um, fantasy player Michael Crabtree, I think he's the clear number one wide receiver on this team and will get a lot of looks, will be a great guy for Joe Flacco or Lamar Jackson to work with. And then, of course, rookie of the year Hayden Hurst tight end. I think he's a reliable target, great hands, um, and will be a key factor in this improving offense. Um, so that'll wrap it up for the Baltimore Ravens. Be sure to stay tuned for Wednesday's episode when we discuss the Buffalo Bills. Now, the moment you have all been waiting for, uh, my first interview on the Blake Pace podcast with the great Noah Zegler, um, talking all about the World Cup, how to enjoy it, uh, what to root for, what are some better storylines, some Lionel Messi talk, um, maybe you know a little insight on the future of U.S. soccer, a great discussion with a good friend of mine. Please enjoy this interview with Noah Zegler. All right, guys, the moment you have all been waiting for, the very first interview for the Blake Pace podcast, we welcome none other than my good friend Noah Ziegler from JMU. Uh, he is a staff writer for The Breeze, um, an award-winning uh, online newspaper in Harrisonburg, Virginia, staff writer for Whom the Cowbell Tolls, uh, that is an SB Nation site, if I'm correct, and then he's also the DC United coordinator for Vavil. Noah, how you doing? Doing fantastic, just a little under uh, four days until the greatest sporting event of the world kicks off, so pretty happy about that. Well, yeah, so we know how Noah feels, and we know uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Um, it was funny, Noah reached out to me after my first episode when I said, you know, there probably wouldn't be much uh, soccer talk on here, but of course, with the World Cup coming up, I wanted to have Noah come in uh, because he knows so much more about the game of soccer than I do, um, and you know, we're just going to start things right off. Noah, I, you know, I... I played soccer my entire life. I played up until my senior year in high school. Um, but honestly, I don't really have any, uh, you know, knowledge or desire to watch see, uh, soccer besides the World Cup. And, you know, some of that passion, you know, that excitement I've even lost now, you know, with the United States not being in the World Cup. Um, what was your take on when, you know, the United States didn't qualify? And, you know, what do you think that it speaks for going into this World Cup? Gosh, that was that was a bad night because I, I just remember being very disappointed with you know the fact that you know with all due respect to Trinidad and Tobago, there's absolutely no reason that the United States should have not even they, all they had to do was tie. So there there was absolutely no reason that they shouldn't have been able to do that, and it, it just seemed you know it, it was disappointing because you see supporters groups for the United States, you know, sing their hearts out the entire game, yet the players on the field minus a few just, you know, clearly aren't giving their 100%. Uh, 
Uh, my, my take, obviously, I was pretty angry because, again, the World Cup without the United States right now is a very sensitive time for the growth of soccer mm-hmm. in America because, you know, um, NBC Sports has done a great job um, broadcasting the English Premier League, and that's gotten a ton of interest in America. And, of course, the 2014 World Cup, I think, really ramped it up because, you know, the, the U.S. was putting together a few games that mm-hmm. fans are going, wow, you know, soccer actually is, you know, kind of fun. Definitely. And so, obviously, when the anger when the anger kind of died down, I started to realize th- this has potential to really bring about much-needed change mm-hmm. because instead of playing, you know, young players that decided to go to Europe, they were kind of leaning towards veterans that may have played in Europe but currently play in MLS and you know such as Michael Bradley, Josie Altidore. And I think the change that that is brought not only are there's a new general manager position for the US Soccer Federation, there's going to be a new coach. Uh, there's, you know, uh, if you've watched recent friendly games or if anybody has it's just completely young players, all mm-hmm. the young players that played in the Youth World Cups a few years ago, and they're pretty exciting. Not gonna lie, they're yeah. You know, uh, obviously there's Christian Pulisic who's mm-hmm. just been lighting Europe Great. on fire, yeah. And you know, Timothy Weah, who's I think he's only 18, but he's getting minutes at the best team in France. And I think obviously, obviously, missing the World Cup is going to sting, and it's going to have a ton of setbacks but now that all these young players are getting their shot this also kind of brings up the idea that players probably should look towards going to europe for their development Mm -hmm. so say you know polisic went over to germany for his development there's a few other players i decided oh i'm gonna not sign with an mls team for the first few years of my career i'm gonna go straight to europe and develop with Hmm. way better teams way better you know, uh, youth academy setups. And I think, you know, now that obviously World Cup fever is hitting pretty hard, so I'm, I'm kind of the U.S. heartbreak is kind of out. Mm-hmm. Now realizing all this change is happening, there's there's some good, there's definitely some good to take out of it. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully this, you know, lights a fire under the ass of this upcoming, um, you know, the, the future of United States soccer. And, you know, even more so, didn't they just recently tied against uh, France the other day? I know they held a lead until late into the game, but isn't that another example, you know, just, you know, maybe they're getting things going in the right direction? Yeah, yeah, of course. That was, that was, a, that, that was a shock because Fr- France put out probably one of the, their strongest lineup, arguably. Mm-hmm. And for the U.S., the average amount of appearances for the senior national team was six and a half in the starting lineup. And for them to go out and tie one of the teams that people are saying could win the World Cup hmm. is not only amazing because the next World Cup in the, you know 2026 they they could be true contenders if everything stays on plate uh, you know on plan, but it also is very just frustrating because this team just tied France. Right. Yes. <laughs> This team, you know, the same United States team, led by Michael Bradley, Tim Howard, uh, Josie Altidore, couldn't even beat Trinidad and Tobago. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty frustrating, but you know, you know, take take the good signs where you can. And you know, this um, this uh, against France, uh, Christian Pulisic wasn't even in the lineup. Yeah. So there's the best player who wasn't even there. And, you know, 
Yeah, that, that's certainly something, you know, definitely one of those bright points to, you know, that, you know, of course it's going to hurt, you know, not having them in the World Cup, but, you know, having a win like that or a draw like that, you know, right before the World Cup with such a young team against that powerhouse like France definitely speaks towards the future. Um, looking at, you know, the, the World Cup in general um, this upcoming year, you know, we're not only missing the United States, but, you know, Italy, the Netherlands, Chile, um, they're all not in and so do you think that there's going to be a decrease of you know international interest in this world cup or do you think that you know there might be some intrigue because of some other names that will really rise to the uh to the challenge in this upcoming month you know that that is a fair point and uh each situation is kind of different but I, i saw a stat i think besides russia the country with the most purchased tickets for world cup games is the United States. Oh, wow. And, yeah, that, that was a really huh. shocking number I saw. I, I thought you know, t- I thought there's no way that they're, they're up there. That's and crazy. It's it's pretty interesting because Netherlands kind of were downhill after, um, you know, I guess the 2014 World Cup was kind of the tail end of their, I don't, I don't want to say golden years because it used to be really good uh, back in, I think, the 80s or something. But, you know, the Netherlands is kind of waiting. This is... They're waiting for this young generation to perform. Italy was just really bad coaching. But I, I think the interest is still going to be there. Um, it might not be as, you know, Brazil, we saw groups of fans passionate at its finest. We saw it in 2010 in South Africa. Russia's going to be very interesting because, like we said, Italy, the Netherlands, two countries who are very passionate about their soccer teams or, or football. But, uh, um, that aren't going to have their t- uh, nation there. So it's just interesting. Um, to be honest, maybe they're, maybe they'll still show up. They're, I think they're still going to watch. But in terms of, you know, maybe the passion side of it might be lacking. But I don't know. I feel like I sometimes think that before every major tournament, and it hmm. continues to amaze me. Uh, amaze me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and so looking at the landscape, um, you know, there are a couple teams, you know, a couple powerhouses, you know, if Portugal um, looking to win, you know, its consecutive major title after the Euro 2006 in 2016, uh, Germany, you know, back-to-back World Cup trophies. Um, I don't know if you have already determined who your pick to win it is, but if you have, can you share that and maybe a little, you know, um, insight on why you believe, uh, you know, they'll, re- you know, win? <laughs> so it's very, it's interesting because there, there are definitely a few teams that just it's it's really a toss-up because i i didn't expect portugal to win euro 2016 mm-hmm. um now i'll eliminate a few so i don't think france is going to win this world cup i think um 2022 i think they'll be favorites yeah. with you know uh i just think they might be a little too young they might be some of their players are a little too inconsistent um germany is also kind of an interesting you know, aspect because their recent results, they, they lost to Austria in a friendly, they tied, they beat Saudi Arabia two to one. And those are teams that this probably handled pretty well. Mm -hmm. And that's a little concerning because there's also a recent trend. The team that wins the world cup struggles in the world cup after that. So in 2006, Mm -hmm. Italy won it. And then in 2010, Italy crashed out of the group stage. Yeah. 2010, Spain won it. 2014, didn't even make it out of the group stage. Mm-hmm. So 
Hmm. I, I think I think they'll still make. I think they'll break it because Germany is just they have the best international coach. Obviously, you still have a world class team. Yeah, but I, I don't. I think I just don't think they'll get it done this year. Um, my finals pick, I think, was Brazil and Spain. Oh, okay. And I think I think Spain has the players that have been there before that are used to playing in the highest competition. Uh, you know, the finals every year. I think Spain wins their second World Cup this year. It'll be close. I wouldn't be shocked if Brazil wins it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, 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 my pick would be Spain. Interesting. All right. Now, <laughs> we're going to talk about Iceland for a second. So, you know, oh, no. the, the Cinderella story of, you know, the Euro <laughs> 2016, you know, the population of 335,000, you know, they were definitely, you know, the Cinderella story you see in every March Madness uh, season um, what are your, do you have any expectations for them to repeat that? Or do you think that, you know, this was just, um, you know, a one year flash of, you know, just admiration by, you know, all the fans? Um, that's a good question because Iceland nearly qualified for the 2014 world cup. They made it to the playoff. Uh, like they were two games away, but they lost in a playoff tie to Croatia. So they, they were pretty close to making it to Brazil, but mm-hmm. 2016, I knew that they were a good team. They they don't have they have a couple of players that you know are in Europe, such as uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, but they they're just a very good team. Like they they all put on the jersey, they you know love their country, and they give everything to play for them. But for some reason, I just don't think they're going to perform well yeah. in this World Cup. Just I, I, and of course. Now that I say that, they probably will, but I don't, there's something about it that uh, just tells me, or there's something about them that, you know, especially their group, that just tells me, mm, I don't think they'll be able to put it together. Because mm-hmm. at some point, um, at some point, you can have a lot of heart, but when that's met with, you know, another country that has the heart and passion, along with the skill, it's very difficult to put together that Cinderella run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, I told you even before we started this, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I don't know a ton about, about international soccer. You know, I, I watched the world cup. Um, but you know, that's mostly in support of, you know, the U S and I like watching them. Um, who should I, and maybe, you know, you know, those who are listening also are looking for a team to kind of root for who should we be rooting for is, is what's the, you know, a great storyline in this world cup that we should, you know, get behind and kind of, you know, support instead of, you know, the United States. You know, it, it was funny because right after the U.S. Uh, lost to Trinidad, uh, Ancestry.com ran a promo and a deal, and it was find your second team for the World Cup. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty funny. That's great. But um, you know, there's there's a few stories. There's Egypt. Um, Mohamed Salah, at his season at Liverpool was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, he got injured in the Champions League final yeah. a few weeks ago, so his... Uh, whether or not he comes back, there's reports saying he's going to be back. There's some saying that, you know, he won't be back. Whether or not, if he's back, that would be a cool story to follow because hmm. they can very well, I don't think they'll win their group but because um, they're in the same group as Uruguay, but they could very well finish second. So, and Salah is a fan favorite. Everybody loves him. Yeah. Um, let's see. There's uh, obviously Iceland. Um, yeah. No matter what, <laughs> Iceland is going to have that. Um, Peru is a pretty cool team to follow. But I, th- I think the best story, me personally, is going to be 
either Senegal or Colombia, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Senegal is probably, in my opinion, the most dangerous team from Africa, and no team from Africa has won the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, combine that, and they're going to be a very fun team to watch. They have, uh, you know, attacking assets that are going to be dangerous every game. And if they're able to get out of their group, I think they can give any team a run for their money. And I have them as my dark horse. Nice. Um, it's in, in terms of Colombia, if you the 2014 World Cup was James Rodriguez's World Cup um, before they got eliminated, and they were pretty unlucky to get eliminated. And I think you know when they lost to Brazil in the quarterfinals, there's that famous shot of him on the ground, um, tears, you know, his mm-hmm. eyes are red, all that. And I think he is going to bring it this World Cup and try to, you know, because the quarterfinals, I think, in his eyes weren't enough. But in everybody else's eyes, they were thinking, okay, Colombia, this is your ceiling. I think he's going to try to, you know, one-up that 2014 Hmm. performance. And I think Colombia is in a similar situation with Iceland that they – have so much pride for their country and their country is going to get behind them. Yeah. I think they could be a pretty fun team to watch. So I, I think James is a good story to see if, you know, he carries his team along with a few other of their weapons, you know, if, if they are able to, you know, bring it. And, uh, and then of course there's England, which is always fun to get behind because why not? Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I, I think, Colum- I think Colombia and Senegal are two safe picks that you can have fun. Oh, nice. All right. So worth watching. And they're in the same group, so at oh. some point you're going to watch them play each other. Great. So I'm going to go to tell my friends. I'm like, hey guys, put all, all your money on Senegal. <laughs> they're the team to go for, and I'm just going to put my I'm going to put my stamp on that because of your uh, honest suggestion. Um, now, one last thing I want to talk about um, before we we end this interview. And once again, thank you so much for coming on. You know, being you no know problem. the first guest for the podcast, I really appreciate it. Um, it's, a, it's an honor to be the first guest of this uh, podcast. Of course, of course. Now, uh, Lionel Messi, um, you know, he was noncommittal um, about even, you know, his um, participation uh, in with Argentina um, a couple years back. He hasn't, you know, committed. Um, he's might have hinted at retirement following the World Cup. Um, what... It, what does it mean for him, you know, to be carrying this Argentina for so long? Does it remind you, is if we're, you know, not great uh, soccer fans, you know, is there any comparison, any uh, person that he represents in maybe basketball or football? And what's kind of been his story like in international play, not really being able to get it done? So if we're talking from a purely Argentina standpoint and not including his club, mm-hmm. yeah, pure, a purely Argentina. example, a perfect example before this year, is Alex Ovechkin uh, of the Washington Capitals. You know, being that player, obviously carrying the team at certain times, but just for some reason in major tournaments, never able to kind of push him, you know, over the edge. I guess guess for basketball, for a more famous, might be Chris Paul. You know, I I don't know if that's like a... Because obviously, you know, he's a great player, you know, but it's for some reason just can't get it done in the uh, uh, postseason. Messi... I think in order, because there's always the question, is he the greatest of all time? And the fact that it's a question, and then you bring in his accolades, and obviously he has that, but there's that one thing that he doesn't have, and that's yeah. not only a major trophy, or a World Cup, but it's a major trophy. Yeah. And, you know, that's always going to be, you know, oh, Pele won the World Cup, 
you know, a bunch of, you know, Maradona's won the World Cup. You know, Ronaldo has the Euro 2016, which yeah. obviously, you know, is a very prestigious uh, competition, but not as much as the World Cup. So mm-hmm. I think for Messi's legacy, he, in order to be solidified as arguably not only better than Ronaldo, but arguably the greatest soccer player of all time, he has to win this World Cup. Yeah. And as for his future, you know, like, like you brought up, he's been a little shaky in recent years about his um, you know, involvement with Argentina, and there, there are some other storylines that I that you know surround Argentina. You know, their uh, soccer federation isn't exactly the, um, you know, it's it's a little corrupt. And Messi kind of has, you know, he's high up, obviously, in Argentina. And there, there's a couple controversies around him and other players. But in order, you know, as for the future, he's 30 years old. This. I mean, usually, usually players retire from their country around this time because yeah. you know other players are getting better. And at some point, when you get older and you're playing for your club that pays you the money, mm-hmm. you, you kind of you know those international breaks. You kind of need those in order to perform your club. Now, whether whether or not Messi retires and whether he stays retired for the World Cup um, is kind of a different question, but. I think in order for his legacy, he's, he has to win this. Man. Now, whether or not that's likely, because for some reason this Argentina team, you look at their attack and you think there's no way that they, you know, struggle to score. Right. But for, for some reason, it just feels like their chemistry is bad. You know, I, I'm, I don't doubt that they all, you know, feel as if it's the greatest honor to play for their country. Yeah. But the relationships between the players is very bad. As in... Mauro Icardi is the best striker, I guess, if you want to count Messi as striker, so second best striker mm-hmm. on this Argentina team. But because of something that happened with him and another player, and I, I won't go into too much detail with that, um, Messi and a bunch of players are saying, we don't want him on our team, even though he could very well be a, you know, a huge reason why Argentina makes a run. He's not called up. Jeez. So it's it's a little it's a little interesting, but I I think um, going forward he's got to win this World Cup or their window is shut. Man, yeah, and that's a lot of pressure to put on him. You know, you know, kind of just carrying you know this nation on his back for so many years. Um, you know, Noah, you've given me a ton of things to be excited about for this World Cup. Uh, I'm as a you know a pure United States. Uh, fan when it comes to the World Cup. There's definitely some things I'm interested in watching. Of course, this messy legacy is definitely on the line to solidify that. Um, these few other countries that you mentioned, Iceland, and then once again, your pick was Spain over Brazil? Yes. Awesome. Well, you know, that's going to wrap it up for uh, the first interview on the Blake Pace podcast. Noah, once again, I you know, greatly appreciate you taking the time to come out here and speak with me. Um, you know, the next, the, the floor is yours. What do you want to plug? What's your Twitter? Where can, where can people find you? Well, if you guys want to follow me, I'll be tweeting my opinions during the world cup on Twitter at Noah Ziegler. That's N O A H Z I E G L E R. And of course I'm, uh, still writing for the breeze and plan on writing a world cup preview sometime soon. And well, obviously it has to be pretty soon, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's um, just can't wait to watch the World Cup, whatever I can. Um, you know, last thing, every group has toss-ups, and I think that's one of the amazing things. 
And the beautiful thing about, you know, like I said, Colombia and Senegal, very well, the other team in their group that I'm scared about is Poland. But of course, you know, um, there's there's storylines all over the World Cup, and that's the beauty of it. So obviously, can't wait to watch it and can't wait to see what happens. Well, that's a powerful way to end things up. Uh, Thank you so much again, Noah. I appreciate it for coming on, and we'll talk soon, all right? All right. Thank you for having me on. And that was the first uh, interview for the Blake Pace podcast with Noah Ziegler. Um, Of course, you know, always lucky to have, you know, good, knowledgeable friends come on the show and talk stuff that I really can't uh, say I know too much about. You know, I I hope to have some guys on here to talk baseball. I know more about baseball than I do soccer, definitely, but um, it's always great to have uh, knowledgeable friends guys who enjoy uh, the game of uh, professional sports, and I can't wait to have some uh, more guests guests on as we go through the rest of this summer and into next year. Um, But now we're going to switch to our last topic of the day. This is just going to be a real quick, brief uh, discussion on the NBA Finals, which are now beyond us. The NBA season has come to a conclusion, Um, and like I said, as I predicted at the beginning of the series, not to you know, rub it in your face if you disagreed with me, but I did predict that the Warriors would have a clean sweep of Cleveland. Um, at the end of the day, the star power. If you have four top 20 players in the NBA against one top player uh, in the top 25, I'd even say, um, you don't stand a chance. Um, you know, Clay and Steph could go cold for a game, but Kevin Durant still puts up 43. Uh, LeBron could only do so much by himself. Um, there was poor play throughout the entire season from Cleveland, honestly. The the sole reason they got to this NBA Finals was because of LeBron James. The sole reason that any of these games were ever close to each other, um, specifically games one and three, was because of LeBron James. Um, At the end of the day, Cleveland was outmatched in almost every area. Star power, bench, coaching. Um, The only thing that Cleveland had for them was LeBron James. And, of course, I just, you know, gave credit to the GOAT. Um, In my opinion, the most talented player to play basketball. But, um... You know, I was a little upset with Cleveland. Um, of course, everyone in the world and their grandmothers knew that the, this season was over, that, you know, Golden State was going to win. I would have liked to see a little more effort out of the Cavs. Um, you know, it kind of just seemed like they just gave up, especially by game four. Um, this entire series, I feel like the defense was poor, uh, essentially on every pick and roll. You know, anyone had an easy uh, drive to the lane, um, an easy dunk off of the pick. Uh, the defense, you know, this team just wasn't on the the same page throughout the entire postseason, um, specifically in the finals, and that was the detriment to them when they couldn't, you know, put up a, you know, defense, even good defense for a quarter of basketball. Um, it really fell apart for them. Um, and now we look to the offseason. And, you know, uh, there are a lot of things I expect. Um, you know, there's some big name free agents. Chris Paul is a free agent. Um, Paul George. DeMarcus Cousins, LeBron James, who we expect to opt out of his contract and, you know, look for greener pastures. Um, It's going to be an interesting offseason. I don't think it'll be as electric as last offseason was. You know, you had Paul George, Jimmy Butler, um, some really, you know, Carmelo Anthony, some big names got traded. Of course, Kyrie Irving to Boston. We can't forget that. Um, There was, you know, a lot of big signings. Gordon Hayward to Boston, of course. Uh, Swaggy P to the Golden State Warriors. Um, it, 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 Chris Paul, of course, was traded, uh, even to the Rockets. It was a, it was a crazy off season. I really don't think, uh, we'd be able to get something like that replicated. Although I do believe that there will be some, some big occurrences, especially wherever LeBron James chooses to go. It's always interesting when he picks a new destination. Um, 
he joins and he says to management or the coaching staff, all right, so what other stars are we bringing in? I need this guy. I need this guy. we got to trade away Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love. we got to bring in Chris Bosh, um, Dwayne Wade, joining with him. Um, and so it'll be really interesting and really exciting uh, to you know, just watch how everything falls out because I do believe we're at a turning point in the NBA. I do believe that we will have um, a new powerhouse rise in the Eastern Conference um, in the Boston Celtics or the Philadelphia 76ers. I do believe that LeBron's time in the Eastern Conference is done. I believe he goes to the West, um, which would mean that he has to uh, put his NBA Finals streak on the line against uh, two of the better teams in basketball, the Rockets and the Warriors, um, wherever he chooses to go. Um, but in the East, you know, it'll be exciting to see what the Celtics can do, what the 76ers can do, if they can build upon what they've been developing over the past few years. Um, Boston, of course, getting Kyrie and Gordon Hayward back. Um, I want to save a majority of my predictions, I guess, um, for later in the month. I'm hoping to have on a guest and discuss you know, all of the upcoming free agency, make our picks for where we think free agents are going to land. Um, of course, we'll have more draft talk. I just wanted to wrap a bow on this NBA season. A lot of people wanted to criticize, um, you know, a lot of people came out after the sweep and said, you know, this is exactly what is wrong with the NBA to have, you know, what are they, the, the big threes and, you know, powerhouses in the NBA. It's bad for the league. And I just, I'll say it again and again, and I've said it before on the show, and I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record, but the NBA is one of the more captivating leagues in the world. I mean, there there isn't really anything I enjoy more than watching, you know, a season full of NBA basketball. There are so many intriguing storylines that are away from the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. There was an amazing season by the, you know, rebuilding Philadelphia 76ers. There was, uh, how are Chris Paul and James Harden going to share the ball? Well, actually really well. They're going to be the best team in the NBA in the Western Conference. You had Lonzo Ball's debut with the Lakers, and he had a slow start to the season, but came on by the end of the year. Um, Kristaps Porzingis was building a terrific season um, as the number one option without Carmelo Anthony before he tore his ACL. Um, you know, there were so many great storylines. Brad Stevens as a coach, you know, getting that team of, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Al Horford into the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. Victor Oladipo and his emergence as a star. How, you know, the great rookie play that we had, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons, how all of those guys had terrific years. There were so many great storylines, but everyone with a 4-0 sweep in the finals just wants to say that it was a bad year of basketball. This was the most enjoyable year of basketball that I have lived through. And of course, I would love to see the Knicks be well in it. Um, you know, just got to throw in there a little salt in the wound that they, of course, were one of the worst teams in uh, basketball. But it was such an enjoyable year. And I don't think that we can look at just this 4-0 sweep in the finals and say, Terrible offseason, terrible season, terrible year, bad for the league, Warriors super team, LeBron, not really a super team, bad for the league. You had both conference finals go to seven games. You had some amazing storylines, amazing rookie play in the league that was that, that showed up in the postseason. Donovan Mitchell getting that first round series win over the Thunder. The Sixers moving on to the second round. Um, and the Celtics with Jason Tatum leading the way into the Eastern Conference Finals. There were so many things to be excited about in this NBA season, and I believe that it should only grow in the next year. Of course, you know, Luka Doncic and uh, DeAndre Ayton, there are some big names in this draft. Marvin Bagley Jr., what, what's going to happen with Trey Young? Is he going to be Steph Curry 2.0? Um, the NBA 
is in a better place than any organization, any professional sports organization, any collegiate sports organization, because there are so many storylines and so many names. You know, NBA is one of the true leagues where I think you, you as a person are a brand. Um, in the NFL, and, and maybe it's just because of, you know, you get to see them more often on social media. There's a greater social media presence by NBA players. You know, NFL players wear a bunch of pads and a helmet all day, whereas NBA players, you know, you get to see their faces every game and it's a longer season. But they truly are, in, I, in my opinion, in the best position possible because they're only growing. They're only becoming more stars in this league. And I think it'll be really great even the next few years to watch how teams are going to try and make Golden State, you know, fall and how they're going to make LeBron James come down and who is going to take over, you know, Anthony Davis, New Orleans. That's another great storyline. Him and DeMarcus Cousins in a league with amazing shooting and amazing point guards. We got terrific play from a power forward in the center and they ended up being, you know, the fourth team in the Western Conference, even after missing DeMarcus Cousins for half a season. The NBA is in a great place. A 4-0 sweep in the finals, sure, wasn't what we wanted to watch. We want we want that Game 7, uh, Kyrie Irving hits a 3 to win the championship for Cleveland for the first time uh, in 52 years. We want that. But we can't always get that, you know, and, but that doesn't matter. That was four games of a year-long season. This season started over a year ago when, you know, Chris Paul was traded and Paul George and Jimmy Butler, all these teams were made a year ago, and we got a year full of amazing storylines. And there are so many more to look forward to. And I just believe that, you know, people want to look at the finals and and frown upon the year of basketball, but it truly is, in my opinion, in the best state of any professional sport. Um, so we have to learn to appreciate the year of sports that we had in professional basketball and look forward to what I believe is going to be an amazing next 5, 10, 20 years of the sport. I really think it's growing faster than any other league in the world. Um, and with all that said, uh, it was a great episode. I love talking about the Ravens. Uh, thank you again to Noah Ziegler for coming on and talking some FIFA World Cup, enlightening me of who I need to root for in the upcoming month, making soccer enjoyable for me when the United States is sidelined. And of course, wrapping a bow on the NBA season. Uh, it was a terrific year. Of course, as always, we're going to end the show. You can find me on Twitter at BlakeAndrewPace. Uh, you know, send me an email at blakeandrewpace at gmail.com. Love to hear all of the stuff that you guys have to say about the show, comments, feedback, stuff you'd like to discuss. Um, we will catch you on Wednesday for episode 11 of the show. Uh, stay tuned and thanks for listening.